0: Hello everybody and welcome to Rowing Chat. I'm Rebecca Caro and today I'm joined by Ollie Zeidler for this week's episode. Ollie, welcome to Rowing Chat.
1: Yeah, thank you Rebecca for the invitation. I'm glad to be part of this.
0: Now, before we kick into the detail, we're doing a reader survey, a listener survey, and can you help us by taking this short survey and telling us what you think? The URL is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash rowing chat survey. And the more we know about you, the listener, the better. Now, this show would not be possible without our sponsors. And this week... Rowing Chat is sponsored by Health IQ. You've heard of intelligence quotient IQ and probably EQ, which is emotional quotient. But it doesn't It strike you as odd that there isn't a score that's given to the health of your body. We row, we take care of our bodies. And although masters athletes love to compare their injuries and their recovery strategies, we know that we're both fitter and healthier than much of the average population. So why should we not also get financial benefits from our rowing practice? Luckily, Health IQ feels the same way. They are a health insurance company who understands health conscious people are a lower risk category, and they offer good rates for fit and healthy people, like Masters rowers. If you qualify, you could save money. Get a free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash rowing, or mention the promotion code rowing when you talk to a Health IQ agent. You will be helping us and of course, we hope that they will be helping you. Our other sponsor is my new book, Rowing Tales 2018. This is a collection of stories that I have curated along with Peter Mallory. They're all about rowing. They're by a whole range of different people throughout the sport from different parts of the world And they include the very funny anecdote by Matt McQuillan about his encounter with Gary Herbert, the Olympic coxswain. You can read that online on the Row Perfect website. I wrote a blog post about it. And it also includes Dan Boyne's story about rowing with Harry Parker, where the Sadly, late Harry Parker invited him to do the Head of the Charles with him. And it was quite an opportunity, but it was also very daunting indeed. Rowing Tales 2018 is for sale on Amazon. It's for sale on the Row Perfect website, and you can also get it as a Kindle book. Now, on with the show. Ollie, it's wonderful to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners.
1: Yeah, hello, everybody. My, my name is Oliver Zeitler. Uh, I'm from Germany. Um, I just started uh, rowing about uh, two uh, two years ago, yeah. And um, in the last two years, I made a very good pros, uh, progress. So I was able to row at the World Championships this year in the A-Final and Single Sculls event and also um went quite uh, successful through the world cups this season before um I started to row I was a swimmer um I started with 7 years in swimming and uh, quit after um, not making it to the 2016 olympics and my team mates retired then so I just made the move to rowing which was uh, a quite um quite normal step for me because of my family history um, so many rowers I was uh, maybe the only one who didn't went in the boat to this point and yeah this is my story.
0: So tell us what are the medals behind you can you point to each one and tell us what you won? Um,
1: yeah this one was the first one the gold medal at the um, world games. Which I won uh, in the 2000 meter ERG event there. This one is from the U23 European Championship in 2017. This was my first uh, really international regatta, but of course in U23 level. There's a silver one. And then the three World Cup medals um, of the season three times, uh, two times bronze, and uh, the silver from Lucerne.
0: So out of all of those races, which do you think is your best race so far?
1: Um, the best race so far is none of these medals. It was the uh, <laughs> it was the semi-final of this year's world championship where I went really, really good um, through the 1,500 metres and then was able to um, do a little easier um, through the next uh, few metres. But uh, when I had have had the 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 option or the only option was to win this race to get uh, a gold medal or something like that then then I had uh, then there was more in me just to pull through till the finish line but uh, yeah unfortunately the final went a bit uh, different then but uh, yeah this was the best race uh, of my career yet so
0: Tell us who was in the semi final with you. Who are you racing
1: Uh, at the World Championships? It was uh, Andrej Sinek, Mindorgas Chris Konis, then uh, I think the Serb Marianovic, maybe Natan from Poland, and the other guy was um, the Belarusian, was the other guy. I'm not sure about Nathan if he was really in this race, but uh, yeah, the other ones definitely were there.
0: Can you remember what you were thinking when you got to halfway?
1: Um, this was uh, as this was really one of my best races. I was just smiling after the halfway. I was in front there, and went it, it was really, really easy to that point, uh, which is normally not the case in a two-k race, but. The water was very fast this, start, this day, and it was just uh, smoothly coming through the uh, 1,000 meter. And then making it to the A final was the was the goal for this season, and uh, just made it quite uh, quite easy actually. And then you said the
0: last 500 meters, you could you didn't need to go 100. percent
1: Yeah, right. This was uh, I don't know if this was a mistake. Um, in my head, I always had the the thinking about the the lane uh, structuring in the final. Then, and I, I knew when we will become the slower heat, uh, so with the slower semi, and I will um, get the second place. I will go um, on lane five, and five and six, and plus the vet being the fastest lanes uh, through the whole weekend. So it was more a tactical thing then. But because of the wind conditions, they changed the. Uh, changed lanes then before the final. So this was not really an pointish for me then, unfortunately.
0: In the final, which lane did you get?
1: Um, I was on lane, lane two, I think, three or two. And uh, as they moved the whole, um, whole lane, racing lanes to the other side. So the only fast lane was maybe only the lane six then. It was getting faster and faster um the higher the uh, the number was then. Uh yes, this was it.
0: This is this is racing, isn't it? It happens and changes yes, happen. There's,
1: there's rowing, yeah.
0: Now you mentioned that you come from a rowing family. Can you tell us who in your family has been a rower?
1: So it's uh starts with my grandfather, so the father of my mother. Um, He was an Olympic champion in 1972 and quite successful around these years in the Cox four event. Um, Then from my father's side, it was my father who was uh, very successful in the 1990s. His sister, um, my aunt was also um, a rower very successful. She was Olympic champion in the 8th event in Barcelona and um, my all most of my cousins and my sister are rowing. My sister is very um, successful in the under-23 and um, is now aiming for a spot in the um, A national team this year. We will see how this will work but yeah, this is my family, everyone in rowing.
0: And so you chose swimming. Were you just a very stubborn little boy and you said, no, I don't want to do the same as everyone else?
1: Well, I started in the age of seven and I was a bit young for rowing. Um, So I just started, was quite successful then. Um, Won a lot of medals in the um, age class events then. And there was no... Uh, reason for me to change, uh, change sports and switch to rowing, Um, especially as you have got a lot of pressure when you have got such a family history um, in rowing behind you. Uh, You don't really want to make that step and maybe um, lose your face then.
0: Very interesting. And when you were swimming, what was your uh, class? What did you do?
1: Um, So my main event was the 100 meter freestyle. I also um, swam 50 and 200 so mm-hmm. I was more a sprinting uh, more a sprinter there and um, I but I trained a lot with um, the middle and long distance guys in in Munich here in our um, in our team so um, I also had uh, quite good endurance but I was a very tall and heavy guy with many muzzles so it didn't work for me um in the longer distance events at competitions. Yeah.
0: It's interesting how body type classifies very clearly, particularly in swimming. You line up and people are very different in the different length events. That's right. Have you got very big feet as well, like the Australian swimmers?
1: Not that big. It's uh, it's a quite normal size for my for my height. So. <laughs> And, and you're two meters tall? Yes, two meters and three centimeters.
0: Fantastic. So obviously you realized you had a, a sad realization that you weren't going to make it to the 2016 Olympics as a swimmer. Why did you, did you fail in a selection? How did you know you weren't going to the Olympics?
1: Um, I finished my A-level in 2015 and after that I started a traineeship um, at a company here in Munich and um, I also studied then next to the job and everything Um, so I didn't have that much time for training uh, which had been necessary to qualify for the Olympics then so I realized quite um, early in 2016 that I will not make it this year and then I just... um, Continued swimming, of course, um, helped the people there. My teammates um, were free in the end. Uh, went to the Olympics um, and um, were quite quite good there. And yes, this was this was what I had. Uh, this was the only possibility for me to do something for the Olympics in this year.
0: But obviously, the Olympics
1: remained a goal for you. Yes, definitely. This was uh, still a thing for me. Um, But after everyone retired after the 2016 Olympics in my um, team in Munich, there was not the fun left. And I first did nothing for one month, but then I wanted to do some sport. I really wanted to, um, yeah, I needed this, uh, the swimming or um, just some other sports just to um, feel better in my body. And so what happened then? Um, after that, um, I started in 2017. I first started again with swimming and also uh, started to train on the ERC, which we had in our basement here. So um, I could do this next to my job um, just when I came home. It, it was quite flexible the training times for me then. And so, um, I started there, went quite good. And in February, March 2017, um, I started at the German Indoor Rowing Championships. And this is, was uh, one of the first, yeah, this was the first rowing event I uh, was competing in. And I um, ended up with the first place um, beating the Olympic champion from 2012, Tim Groman, in uh he was in the in the quad there and yes this was the point when i said okay i also want to try it in the boat maybe i've got some talent for it and this is how it started
0: that's fantastic obviously your genetics are very strong but of course the mental motivation is important as well you've got to want to do it haven't you
1: yes definitely especially when you have got a 2k race you have to um your muscles are burning for five minutes and this is was something quite different to the, um, to the competitions I did in swimming. This was two minutes yeah. maximum, <laughs> maximum time there. And suddenly five minutes, um, just fighting, it was quite different. And you really need motivation to do that.
0: Now, am I correct that your father is your coach?
1: Yes, that's correct. This, uh, we started, this is our um, own project then when I said, yeah, I want to learn rowing, can you teach me? And he said, yes, of course. But um, when, you, when you ask him today what he thought about it, he just uh, wanted to um, make sure that I don't fall in. <laughs> and uh, it was definitely not expectable that this will well, went that good in such short time.
0: How did you start? Did you start in a single skull?
1: Yeah, here in Munich, we, um, we have got some clubs here, but not uh, many rowers in my age class or uh, rows who wants to wanted to row with a beginner um, at the end of, uh, the beginning of, of the year, of course, because then uh, the qualification regatters and everything, you don't want to disturb their training. And I just started in a, in a single skull of course, fell in, um, which was not that nice. When you um, imagine that it was April here in Germany, um, this was quite hard, and especially for me when you when you fell in in rowing, this is um, kind of failing in what you what you tried, and this is something I really hate when I fail in something. Um, and yeah, so this is how it started, all in the single skull for the first year I think. I think the first time I sat in a double then was two months later and in a quad this was November 2017 was the first time I um, was part of a quad then.
0: And and is your father a coach for other people or has he never coached
1: before? I think he coached some younger guys in his club when he was a rower before, but um, he was no, not a, pro- he is not a professional trainer. This is just um, our, as I said, our project now, and I trust him. I know that he has got um, some um, serious knowledge about um, all the world's uh, rowing, how it works there, and the success uh, just uh, give him right. Yeah.
0: And psychologically, it must be quite difficult sometimes to separate the man who is your coach and the man who is your father. How do you manage to make that separation so that you don't get mad at him?
1: Yes, sometimes uh, it's not that easy, especially in training when you are really uh, at the end of your of your strengths and everything. You are really out, out of order, maybe. And then he said, yeah, just, just one more piece now. And you are thinking, oh no, why, why I'm doing that now? Why should I do that? Then um, sometimes it ends up with discussions, even on the border. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I want to say with that, that it's not always easy to have his father as a coach, but I also know that I can talk with him about everything. Um, I'm a lot more flexible. because I just can ride him when it's getting one hour later or, uh, or I need m- more recovery between these sessions and everything. This is uh, maybe something personal which you don't have with every coach in your life.
0: How does the German Rowing Federation support the two of you? Because you're still in Munich and that's n- not a, a center for, for the Federation?
1: no um well i just started in munich and i um it went pretty well so i want to really want to stay here now mm-hmm. um the other scholars are now starting in hamburg um to train there making their um, big boats running there also for the olympics and um i'm concentrating now on the single and um the support is quite good i also um can um Travel with them to the training camps in uh, other countries. Then also before the uh, big events, and um, I'm also uh, friends with most of the guys, so um, there's no problem. And the um, support from the federation is also okay. Yeah,
0: but now you are a 100% full-time professional athlete, no apprenticeship.
1: No, that's not correct. Um I'm still uh, working next to the job uh, next to next to rowing and I also have got the last semester um with exams of my um university degree. I will do my bachelor um in next summer. Wow. Maybe after the uh world championships I will do my um local uh, my final exam then and then I'm ready with one year to prepare for. The Olympics then full-time.
0: And has your father had to quit his job to be a full-time coach
1: with you? No, he's still a police officer and we are both doing this next uh, next to our jobs. So this is more a hobby at the moment for us but um, I know that it will um, be necessary to get it done more professionally in the next year when it comes to the Olympics.
0: Fantastic, that's amazing. Now you said that you've had um obviously you started and you fell in a lot and obviously you got better and and your um your sculling has improved can you talk me through your two really important races that you described to me the first world cup and the third world cup
1: why were these races important well it was the first world cup where i decided to um, be part uh, of the national team as one of the single scholars and um yeah it was my first international a level event and it was uh, just a surprise that everything could happen this uh in this race or in the whole regatta i just fought step um race by race so made it uh, in the quarterfinal, then made it to the semifinal and in the semifinal it was quite close to uh, get into the A final. I think just a few tenths of a second was uh, between um Keita de Boj and me then. He didn't made it to the final. I could made it in my first uh, international race. and then in the final um, the goal was just to be one time. and um, at this regard I wanted to be in front because this was not the case in the races before. And then after the 500 meter mark, I catch the the Den, the Danish guy, and then went through the 1500 meter mark in front, and then Andre Sinek in the end, catched me, and also the the Swiss scholar. But um, Belgrade was very important for me because I realized that uh, we did a good job in our training. It was always the our goal to be internationally competitive, not ne- only nationally. And uh, yeah, in the end, I realized that I'm already on a level where I can compete with the top guys. This was, uh, of course, an amazing feeling first and uh, very important for the regattas then.
0: So in Germany, how do they choose the single scholar? Because obviously, Tim Olenaska is already a very successful athlete. Is he your number one rival?
1: Um, I'm not sure how it will work this year. Last year, it was the case. Definitely. Yeah.
0: So he was the number one scholar and you were the number two scholar.
1: Yes, he won the, um, tri- uh, the, inter- the national trials. Um, so it was the German uh, Small Boat Championship. I only become third but as he only competed in this regatta and no other um, obligational team tests and uh, regattas before. Also, Belgrade was was a regatta which you have to row when you want to um, be part of the national team uh, at the World Championships. He didn't um, start there because of injury, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we had a Bit of a discussion then, just to get the chance to start in Linz. And after Linz, uh, I uh, still had the, some discussions with the head coaches to get uh, my uh, my go for Lucerne. Then, and in the end, they said that um, in Lucerne, we will decide who will be the single scholar because um, Naske only competed um, at the at the German Championships. Linz was no of. The, not one of the um, obligatory um, races you have to race, so it was just one race and then another race um, in Lucerne to get in this position for me.
0: And in Lucerne, what happened?
1: Um, in Lucerne, um, it was a it was maybe the best regatta of my career yet because um, I won all races beside the final in the final I became second and beat um, the other German scholar by I think 10 seconds so it was uh, a clear result and my ticket to the world championships and also um, my um, my third um, medal at, uh, at the world Cups. and I was able to win the overall world cup in my first A-level season then
0: so you have a yellow shirt?
1: Yeah, I've got um, two yellow sh- shirts. Uh, one I just uh, gave a friend of me with a signature on and the other one I have is hanging over there just.
0: Congratulations, that's very exciting. You. Obviously you have come from nothing. Nobody knew who Olli Zeidler was, you know, 18 months ago to being at the front of probably the most challenging men's racing in a single skull. What do you think is special that has enabled you to go so quickly from a complete beginner
1: to being up there with the world title holders? Um, Well, I was... I was lucky, of course, because uh, I have got very good um, strength and endurance from swimming already. And then I have got a very, very good coaching, because when you have got one coach for one athlete, um, as I had in this time, um, there's a huge um, advantage for you. Mm -hmm. And this is certainly one point which made me um, which made me go that fast and such a short time, just my physiques and then the very personal training then.
0: When you're training, uh, how much time do you spend on refining your skill with the oars? And how much time do you spend doing mileage and sprints and pieces?
1: I think in the first year, all the stuff I did was only technique in the boat. So just learning to row Nearly um, at a to a point where you can really be competitive. It's not rowing is a a very technical sport, so you don't uh, not only need um, your your strengths and your endurance. You also need willpower, of course. But when you don't have the technique, you can uh, can be the biggest beer in the. in the whole uh, whole regatta and you will not come uh, through the first race because this will not work so it was all about technique in the first year and that's what we uh, concentrated
0: on Can you think of some specific technique exercises that you remember were particularly helpful
1: Uh, Well first it was just staying in the boat this was a a huge challenge already for me and then it was um learning how to make this stroke so just um a pause at the knees just to make the boat flow just to feel feel that this was something um i realized just because of this uh this exercise because uh, in swimming you always uh, want to want to stream uh, um in front and really don't put much effort from your upper body into um, the whole motion and this is uh, maybe the thing in rowing when you um, just slide forward a bit um, slower and just make let the boat make uh, the movement.
0: So actually, it's quite similar swimming and rowing.
1: Yes, I would uh, I would say that yes. Of course, there's water which you have to um, which you have to handle, and uh, the water doesn't change that much from uh, Time to time, yeah.
0: What boat and oars do you
1: use? Um, I row an emperor. Um just one of the big, big ones, fitting my weight, um, and then I use the concept two skinnies. Yes. Is it a reverse wing, the emperor? Yes. Yeah, an X uh, X eleven, something like that. Yeah. Okay.
0: now obviously you're only beginning your journey and you i'm sure still have high goals for your athletic career but obviously at the world championships in the final it was not the outcome that you hoped for you've already said you like to be in the front in a race you like to uh, be able to see everybody behind you so what happened at the final at the world championships
1: well, um, it was a bit confusing, the whole situation, what's going on there. As I already said, they changed the lane settings um, before our race because of the wind. We had um, strong winds from the side at the start. So um, then they um, told us that we that our race will start a few minutes um, later, so we don't have to go on water. Then they said racing will start in time. We don't have that much time to warm up then. And of course, the conditions were terrible out there. The wind just um, made it very com- uh, complicated to move the boats there. And just before the start, I um, had a lot of problems just to get into the racing start system because of the strong side winds. I was still a beginner, I have to say that, and this is not uh, not a condition where you want to want to row at your um, at the most important race uh, of the of the of the season. And yeah, then there was the start, was quite good, but um, the wind was still blowing from the side. And um, after the fifth or sixth stroke, I just catched uh, into into the buoy, and yeah this uh, of course um affected the speed then and i wanted to do it um just as in the in the semi final just smoothly coming th- uh, through the 1000 meter and then um put down the hammer and this was uh, something which didn't work in the final unfortunately you you tried to do it but it didn't work Well, after the fifth um, catch into the buoy, um, I had to put a lot of um, effort into the first 500 just to get in touch with the other guys then again. And yeah, it costed a lot of um, energy, of course, which uh, then wasn't there at the end.
0: So a disappointment for you.
1: Yeah, it was a disappointment because my form was uh, really good. It was definitely um, good enough for metal medal uh, on this day. But uh, yeah, the conditions just uh, had blown my, my dreams away in this uh, moment. Where do you train in Munich? Um, I train at the regatta course of 1972. At the <laughs> crossbow- grandfather um, became olympic champion Yeah, and is it often windy there as well Yeah, sometimes today we have got storm so you also have got bad conditions there but um, it's not uh, a very big course so i think it's, it's got 150 meters um Width. it's just yes right and so there aren't that uh that complicated conditions, of course. So
0: to get your practice with complex conditions, you're obviously going to have to go on camp or go to other places that allow yeah. you to learn side winds.
1: Yeah, to camp. Or we also have got a um, big um, lake near the Alps here in Munich, where you have got a very great view, of course, and also very um, shitty conditions, yeah. <laughs>
0: Every rower will understand what you're describing. Yep. When you, um, when you train, what do you think is your strongest asset?
1: Hmm. Good question. Um, I think it's my motivation in training. I really, when something isn't working as, a, as it should be, or I was planning to um, do it in this session, um, I just repeat it as often as it, um, as it finally worked. So, so this is also something my uh, my father is sometimes complaining about because uh, when something doesn't work, I just quit the session after one hundred meters, return to the start, and then no, we will do it again <laughs> because I need the motivation in my training. And when I do a two K and the first 200 uh, really not as i want to um i restarted and yeah
0: so that's fascinating is this something you think you learned from swimming or is it unique to you
1: mm-hmm. in swimming um we trained in more um shorter distances then uh, so when you have got maybe 20 times 100 meters. This doesn't matter that much if you um, like, when you do um, two times 2K in a training or something like that, then everything should be comparable and good um, in a 2K. So this is my way of thinking. And I'm not sure if this has something to do with my swimming. I don't think so.
0: The secret source of Ollie's Idler.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> what are your favorite uh drills or exercises that you do?
1: I really enjoy um doing high intensity 2 ks This is uh what what's what is rowing uh in at international level is about and I really uh enjoy just um, running through the whole course in Munich and um, having the points, I can um see the the marks at the side and yeah this this is what's also motivating me, and this is what I like in my training
0: and do you get to do this regularly?
1: um Not in the winter, but um, of course um, in this during the season uh, when it comes to the regards uh, in two k racing, definitely. Mm-hmm so every training
0: now you said that your father is still working full time in his job as a policeman does that mean you have to train before he goes to work every morning in the dark
1: um it's the same with me i also have to uh work or go to university so we um train before that and after that mm-hmm. so before work and after work so uh, it fits quite good excellent and What's your ambition this year um uh, it is to become um german champion of course at the um, small world championship just to qualify for the um for the international regattas directly because I don't think that this year it will work um, out as last year that the final world cup will um, announce the and single scholar for this year. And then it's definitely qualifying for the Olympics in 2020 and preparing for that. Very, very interesting.
0: Do you have any other big goals that you in your life
1: that? Next uh, rowing related or next rowing? What's, what's, what's the question about? Both. Okay, um, the next uh, goal for me first is to um, finish my bachelor's degree um, next year in 2019. And um, when I look at uh, my university, I definitely want to do a um, master after that. And the main goal of me is um, to become a German tax advisor at some point of my life. we'll see how this fits with my rowing because the text advising um, exam is one of the most complicated you can um, pass in Germany. So it is also um, connected with a lot of work. And uh, yes, I will see how it work, works out with my rowing because um, my plan is not to retire after the 2020 Olympics. It's uh, more like doing another four years minimum to um, spend in the sport.
0: And for rowing, do you want to go to Henley or uh, ahead of the Charles, big races overseas?
1: Um, I've already competed at head of the Charles this year, um, Mm. but Henley is definitely on my list. And if it works out as uh, I planned this year, winning the um, national trials, And I maybe will go to Henley already in 2019
0: then. And who
1: are your rowing
0: heroes? People who you would like to emulate?
1: Oh, that's, that's really, really uh, complicated to say because I had a lot of role models. uh, Just when I started uh, with rowing, I first was just erging. it was Rob Wodell first, uh, who um, also had very strong times on the 2K erg, and then became Olympic champion in 2000. Then we have got the other big single scholars of the last years: so Olaf Tufte, uh, Mahit um Then the guys I'm racing today with uh, Andre, Robbie Manson, um, Demir Martin, yeah. These are my uh, my role models, I would say. But there's not one particular person I want to um, want to be like. Um, it is just uh, doing my own thing and maybe becoming Olympic champion one day, as they uh, as most of the guys did.
0: And when you talk with your father about his rowing career and you compare it with yours, what do you see as the differences?
1: Well, he started uh, rowing much earlier. And then, unfortunately, he was not that lucky with uh, injuries. So he was not injury-free. Um, I um, hadn't had injuries in the last years, not even when I was swimming. So maybe this uh, is a uh, bit of a difference. And this is also the reason why um, I'm already close to his uh, biggest um achievements in the sport i think he was fourth at the world championships at his senior level one day um and in the world cups i made even better than him already um yeah this is maybe some parallelism maybe some difference between us yeah does he tell you stories um not that ma- uh, many stories it's more from my grandfather who always um told me stories about rowing um i grew up with stories about olympics and rowing events i always was part um of the competitions when the world cup was out here in munich so i i knew about the sport definitely but i was not really interested in competing uh, in a boat <laughs> but uh yes i i was into the sport definitely from another perspective tell
0: us one of your grandfather's stories
1: or oh, maybe one of the nice stories um he has
0: nasty stories as well
1: <laughs> yes um he was three times uh, at the olympics and uh, in his opinion when everyone had um still being uh, not becoming sick um he might have won at least one more gold medal in his career so this is one of the more nasty, um, nasty stories. There, are, of course, party stories are also a thing. But um, I think the most uh, important story he told me uh, one um, was the the winning of the gold medal here in Munich when just the whole people around the course it was more like a uh, more like a cave of people just um, screaming Germany, 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 and they um, just, um, won the, won the medal. And, uh, my grandfather <laughs> this was also very funny. He was not, um, very pleased with the, with the race because there was no sprint for the line as they planned uh, to do it, but they won anyway. So
0: that's a great story. It's interesting that often your, the race that wins the medal is not always your technically Best effort, and yeah. you, you've experienced this already.
1: Yeah, maybe yes, definitely. <laughs> it's not always the big race which is the the most uh, the best for you, or which was the best in my career. Yeah.
0: Do you watch rowing videos
1: of other races? Yes, a lot, um, especially when I started rowing. I just wanted to know how the how the other guys do that, how to propel the, this gift forward. And this was, um, an important part of my, um, my development just to, just to watch races, see how it works in the, worked in the past and how I can, um, how I can copy that maybe. Yeah. So do you have some favorite races that, that you enjoy watching? Well, I, I really watched a lot of rowing races, um, especially from the 2000s to, till today. So maybe I saw 90% of the races already, but um, my favorite race is still the Olympic final of 2016, uh, where in the Singer-Skull event, where it was really that close um, on the line um, between Mahé and um, Damir. And this was, this was a great race, definitely and I love watching it.
0: It's amazing that 2,000 meters is a very long way, and at the line, the difference between two men was, am I right, 1,000th of a second?
1: I think 4 one thousandths, something like that, yeah. yeah. And some very impressive athletes.
0: Do you get nervous when you are racing?
1: Um I'm not getting really nervous. The only point of a race when I get nervous is just the the time from the start signal till the third or fourth stroke when the boat is really running. As soon as the boat um runs good, as I do it in training too, um it's there's no nervousity, it's just um Pushing yourself to the limit and um competing against the others. And this is really fun. There's no nothing I have to skip sca- you have to be scared about, I think. So these are really just the these five seconds of the race where I'm nervous. Very
0: interesting. Very interesting. Does your competitive nature come out in other parts of your life?
1: Um my competitive nature well it's always nice to be the best but uh, at the moment I'm really concentrating on just uh, becoming the best in rowing so there's not much energy to do something else but of course uh, when there's uh, just a computer game fight at FIFA um, against my my friends or something like that I of course also want to win and uh, yeah that's it (laughs)
0: So, are you a, a soccer fan as well?
1: Um, not that much, but um, I, like the, I like the game FIFA. So. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. Oli, it's been a delight having you as our guest. Thank you very much for sharing the excitement of your early rowing career. And I will book you now, so I will get you back when you've done a few more races and you can tell the listeners a little bit more. Can you tell them how they can uh, follow you online?
1: Yeah, sounds good. Um, they, I'm quite active on Instagram. You can follow me on Oli Zeitler, um, everything um, together with double uh, Oli with double L and yeah, I'm quite active there. I'm not that active on Facebook and other social media, but um, my Instagram is uh The channel where you can really follow my progress.
0: Fantastic.
1: Ollie, it's been a
0: delight. And to the listeners, we are in the process of migrating to a new website. The website is rowing.chat. And you can get notifications of new episodes of this show and other shows in the network by signing up on the mailing list there. Listen to Rowing Chat wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you very much to my guest, Ollie Zeidler. Bye-bye. Thanks,
1: Ollie. Bye.